Welcome back to Three Man Weave. Three Man Weave is brought to you by the good folks at Chairshot Radio Network in conjunction with TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And as I say week in and week out, we implore, we insist upon you to use your head. And by using your head, we know that you're smarter than the average fan. So support your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and picking up an official Chair Shot t-shirt. We literally have something for everyone. Hashtag journalism. Save tag team wrestling. Hey, you know what? Jesus did the job. Hey, you hate politics? Guess what? Why don't you support the now defunct Platt Blast 2020 presidential campaign, which don't rule it out. 2024 is just right around the corner. We about to open up a super pack and get this shit popping. I'm ruling it out. Anywho, the fact of the matter is we are your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis. And we depend on listeners like you to support the movement. By going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot. Please and thank you, thank you, and please. TheChairShot.com. We are not just a website. We're a movement. I'm Mr. Velvet Pipes, Christopher Platt. Today, I'm joined, of course, by the Commissioner PC Tunney. And making his three-man weave debut, I believe. True. Put your hands together and show your love for my brother from another mother. My mister from another sister. My pigment challenge, brother. Mr. Andrew. Oh, that was nice. Even like the Pikmin Challenge. I butt like, chug salt water all the time. time. You know, you just couldn't leave that on Potter's work, could you? Like, just because it's us three together, you just had to bring that out? You just you, had to? You kind of you stepped on it, man. Like, I gave him that cool-ass introduction. He was about to say some cool shit, and, and we was gonna keep it pushing. You couldn't no, help you yourself really but to just step on it. Though. You know, the alliteration's nice, but it don't work. So, I, I do have to give a little backstory about our introductory theme music this week. Oh boy. So, about a month ago, I got caught in a night wider wave. I don't know <laughs> if I even said that right. A night wider wave, right? Woman Wayne. Wide Woman Wayne. Triple H. Triple H. Waves, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's night wider. <laughs> but I, I literally caught a marathon about a month worth of Sundays back. And I was watching Night Rider from about four o'clock in the morning until people started playing basketball, which was about one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm going to say this, number one, the show holds up well. 
Hasselhoff had swag. The shit was cool. It, it holds up very well. Some it of the special that. effects, you're looking like, yeah, but it's 82. You know, it is what it is. But whomever came up with that theme song, they were in their goddamn bag that day. They were doing the Lord's work that day. And listen to the theme and then the, the subsequent voiceover during the theme. You hear that? Yo, you're all in. You're watching that show. And that's before we even get to the whole talking car thing. BT Dub, do you all know who the voice of the Kit the Tarkin Car was? Mr. Feeney. It was Mr. Feeney, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't remember his real fucking name, but I know Mr. So Feeney. The, so <laughs> nice just Mr. Feeney, it doesn't matter. The Night Rider The Night Rider oh, theme ahead, song. Ahead. The Night Rider theme song was composed by Glenn Larson and Stu Phillips. So shout out to Glenn Larsony and Stuart Phillips. Y'all were in y'all bag that day, man. Y'all were. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, in the black community, we always big up LeVar Burton because he had like three roles his entire life, but they were all iconic. He was Kunta Kinte in Roots. He was also the dude with the cool looking visor on Star Trek The Next Generation. Thank you. And then, of course, the Reading Rainbow guy. But I feel like Mr. Feeney should get some love, too. He's got some iconic roles as well. He was Kit, the voice of Kit on Knight Rider. Obviously, Mr. Feeney, his name is like, I think his real name is William Daniels. And did, have you guys ever seen the movie 1776? It was a musical about the Declaration of Independence, and he played John Adams. That, Y'all never seen, seen that one, no. Really? Yeah. I've seen a bunch of random ass musicals because school made you do it and all that other stuff, like Carnival and fucking uh, South Pacific and shit like that. The, but the, in 1776, I don't know of. The Heights is out right now. I believe it's on um, HBO Max. Is that the West Side Story redo? Washington Heights. It's really good. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. Okay. Is that the one with the dude from um that the dude from uh Hamilton did? It's the one that's out right now. That's really popular. So, uh, so that's the extent because we both asked different questions. Well, I just told you the actual <laughs> title of it and where you can find it, and you keep asking me if it's that one. So go there to that one. You could just say I'm not sure. That's okay. That's okay. Oh man, That's let me fine. tell you. Let me tell you. Sometimes it's like, oh boy, can we just have? Can I just wake up? You throw shit can out I, there. Watch his show. What's it about? It's the cool thing that people like. Can I? It's, it's popular. Can I just go to bed one Tuesday and wake up and have it be Thursday the next day? Can I just one Tuesday into one Thursday? Huh? Can I? Can I? Huh? How much did you I, drink I, on that Tuesday? Because uh, we could probably make you get to Thursday. That's, that's probably called, possible. It's called time traveling. And I don't think they the make quaaludes anymore. Do that? So. They don't do what? I don't think they make quaaludes anymore, so I, I don't know how that's possible that is. Well, speaking of quaaludes, you've said the magic word. It's John no, Tesh. No, 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 it's John no, no, Tesh no, no. time. All right, gentlemen, the conference finals are indeed heating up. Let's start with the game from last night. More injuries. Yeah. Could have a ninth, possibly 10th All-Star missing a game tomorrow night. But the Bucks fail without Trey Young in the Hawks lineup to win game four, and we are tied up at two. Chris, I can already hear it. Go ahead. Lay it on me. 
Let's 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 hear you wax poetic on how this series is over. I'm not saying it's over. I'm saying that your man bulldozer. I'm not even going to attempt to get his name right because we have this conversation. We've literally had this conversation. It feels like every single series. I can they should have fired that melon farmer listen, in the locker room. You can't even say it. I can spell his last name. But he kind of gets a pass because of the horrific injury that happened to Giannis. And we all, all jokes out, we hope that Giannis is well and healthy. What are you hearing on your side, man? So I have heard news, and the MRI has been done. There is no damage whatsoever. Everything looks fine. It is a hyperextension. And personally, I would expect him to be fine and playing tomorrow night. This is a young man. Fair enough. This is not, this is not LeBron. This is not Kawhi. This is not Serena. This is not Tiger. This is a young man. Let's not get it twisted because it's funny. We, we're in sports right now, and we're kind of at the end of a lot of eras in a number of different sports with some big-time greats, right? Especially the three sports I just said. But the younger you are, the faster you heal. You know, I, I think he, he is a freak, Chris. I think he's going to be good to go tomorrow night. That's fair. But we got to go back to your man, Terry Boozer. And I call him Boozer because he had to be drunk here. I mean, come on, man. The Hawks' best player isn't playing. Mike Budenholzer? You, you have... Terry Boozer? Whatever. Yeah, he's a... Terry Boozer now. He doesn't even deserve to have his name pronounced correctly. You have, the, you have an opportunity to put your foot on the Hawks' neck because they're not going to beat you all three consecutive games to win this series. They're just not. We all know that. Their best player is out. And y'all melon farmers came out flatter than six-week-old pop. How does that even happen in this particular situation? I, you know, and, and he's going to get off the hook because everybody's worried about Giannis and the Giannis injury and this and that. But not only did y'all lose, y'all got y'all asses beat by the B squad. Well, yeah. What the fuck are you doing, boozy? Right. It was a horrible first half offensively, 51-38 at halftime. When Giannis went out... I do believe they cut into that lead a little bit, but then they got outscored by 15 the last seven-plus minutes of the third quarter after he went out, so that was the end of it. You had guys like Cam Reddish looking good all of a sudden, Lou Williams taking control. Andrew, from a outside-of-three-man-weave perspective on this series, what have they you been flat, seeing between the Bucks and the Hawks? They, they were flat, Bucks came out flat in game one, too, which is why they lost that one. Like, the, the Bucks have... The Bucks tend to come out flat a lot. And, Tunny, you being the Milwaukee native, I don't know why. Do you even know why? Because, like, they get their doors blown off by the Nets, and then a couple injuries happen here or there. They always keep any game close, even the one where KD went off in the last round. And then they just kind of overpower them and get there and show that they're the better team because of the the injuries and the lack of depth in the Nets lineup. So, like, why is it, though, that the Bucks kind of have that old Atlanta Hawks syndrome from, like, a decade ago well, where maybe, they can blow you it's out the same by fucking, 20 points? Because it's the same fucking coach. By 20 points. It's the same coach. You really that think was it's the, the coach? Yes. You really think it's the coach? Uh, that's oh, the only... Yes, Chris and I have talked about this for months, a couple years now, and it's... You think about the other coaches that are left, right? Um, Monty mm -hmm. Williams in Phoenix, Ty Lue in, in, in L.A., and then Nate McMillan on the other side. Budenholzer is 
it's not even a close race for him to be the obvious worst coach left in in the playoffs right now. And it doesn't mean he's not a good NBA coach. He's a horrible playoff coach. He is bad at adjustments. He is good at building a team and a system that's really hard to beat night in and night out. And that's why he has, what, three seasons of 62 or three seasons of 60-plus wins plus the winning percentage is ridiculous. Like, he might have one of the highest winning percentages in the history of the NBA as far as coaching goes right now. But when it comes to the playoffs, if you can't make matchup adjustments at halftime and into the fourth quarter, the other problem is is Chris Middleton, he's not – you know, he had that great performance, right? But he he has Mm -hmm. those once in a while. He's usually good, but sometimes he's not. And then Drew Holiday doesn't get the ball enough between Giannis and Middleton needing to have it. Maybe this offense would be better if Holiday facilitated. I know Platt's been talking about Giannis needing to get on the inside for a while, but it's just all of that equals we need a better coach. So is is Budin whatever? Now let me ask a question. Is Budin Holzer the new D'Antoni of the current generation of coaches? No, that's disrespectful to D'Antoni. Is it but you, you get what I'm getting at, where D'Antoni had a very similar criticism against him, that he was very much just one style, and that didn't always get people there or couldn't D'Ant- finish the game. D'Antoni never made it to a finals, right? He did, made it to one, didn't he? No, not the NBA finals. And that was Robert Ory, that big shot Bob. That was his last big shot. If Robert Ory doesn't check Steve Nash into the boards, that mm. Phoenix team goes on. They're going to beat that Cavs team because that Cavs team was garbage. And now D'Antoni's whole trajectory, we look at him totally different because he's got a ring under his belt. But, I mean, there's no excuse for how the Bucks came out in that game. With all things being considered, there's no excuse. And that's... The, the, it's got to fall on somebody, and it's right. falling on Boozy at this point in time, right? But, now, uh, that being said, whether Giannis is healthy or not, Trey Young is hobbled, and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday should still be enough to get past that Hawks team. Yeah, it's funny. The Bucks have kind of done the same thing. Like, the, the Mi- Miami was just undermanned and, and figured out, and the Bucks took advantage of that. The Nets were the Nets, Kevin Durant. I, I, the home court, I don't know. Andrew, what do you think? I, I can't legitimately tell you what I think one way or the other, what's going to happen. I have just been, I, I felt the same way after game. What was it four in, in new, uh, in Milwaukee or five in New Jersey when they should have won. But how do you mm-hmm. feel, Andrew? Well, in, in Brooklyn, but the Nets were clearly the best team this entire year. It, it just so happens that they got injured at the wrong oh. time. Philly and was, it was one on three at that Philly particular time. was better than no, them. No, no, sure. no. The Nets yeah, they, clearly showed well, in this playoffs more, that they won they more are, games. And they made it to the same that amount don't of mean, playoff. That don't mean that don't mean shit, the year, Tony. The Nets the year, clearly though. showed. The Nets clearly showed the same thing that buried the Nets in the regular season, buried them in the postseason. They clearly showed when healthy, they were the best team this season. They just weren't healthy when it counted. Hell, they hadn't been healthy all year, but especially when it counted. Right, like yeah. the most important thing is showing up, though. So, like, you can't just sit here and go, you know, here, here's your ribbon, here's your cookie for you You think you're the most talented team, but you weren't the best. You didn't even no, have no, the most no. wins. You, they you didn't even have the most wins. They Who's didn't. Better? No, Who's they better? You really, you Philly really had more the wins. The 76ers were better they, than the Nets. They had more wins, and the Nets didn't what, win that, the championship. What, so how can the, the Nets say they were better than anybody? It didn't matter. Because they reality attrition. is greater. They lost due to attrition. Reality is greater. 
than hypothesis. That's some Homer shit. Go ahead. Go this ahead, this uh, is Andrew. kind of fun to watch now from this side because I, I don't really always get to see this. But uh, no, I mean, I thought the Hawks were going to win one game if the Bucks stayed healthy. And then the Bucks, it was going to be their divi- their season, not series, and series to win and they'd make it to the finals. But I don't know. The Giannis thing, it's confusing because even though you say that there's no structural damage, I could see them holding him out for a game. And it's one consistent Thing that I've noticed in this playoff is that whenever your your star is hurt, for some reason the rest of the team plays really fucking hard for like a game or two, and they show that they're not just the star. And then when the star comes back or whatever, then it gets weird. So I'm gonna be really curious to see what happens here because you know when KD got hurt in Golden State a couple years back, they tried to bring him back too quick, got hurt even further, was out for a whole year. Clay Thompson wasn't exactly old when he got dinged up, and he's been out for two years. So I don't know if they're going to just kind of baby it just to kind of move on because they're going to see a game six one way or the other. So maybe they just try to aim for six and seven for Giannis and then hopefully things work out for five. But I think my big takeaway is everybody that criticizes basketball right now says the game's softer than it was back in the heyday, the Jordan days, the Barkley days, yada, yada, yada. Why are there so many fucking injuries anymore? Like... You, you mentioned in the beginning of this thing that there's, what, ninth? This be the ninth or tenth superstar, whatever, that would get injured this playoff run. Well, it, like, why are they just getting dinged up so much when there's so much of that rest built into the regular season that most players don't even play 82 games? Some of these are bad luck injuries, right? Like, Kyrie is not a conditioning thing. Uh, Trey Young is not a conditioning thing. Giannis injury is not a conditioning thing. Okay, it's not mm-hmm. uh, it's not being overworked in a certain amount of time, but a large majority of them are that, and it's what Chris and I have talked about. Chris brought it up many a times before this season even started, echoing the sentiments of LeBron has put out there as well. It's just too quick of a turnaround at too high of a physical tasking sport, night in and night out. It's just basketball. It, all it does is wear on your legs. That's it. You're just mm-hmm. starting, stopping, jumping landing pivoting moving it's kind on a hard surface right well and but but to be honest with you and chris will tell you this like he's probably played in gyms that have had cement floors with linoleum tiles on the top of them and that sucks he's played outside probably on concrete right but you get into a nice nicely put together gym with a wood floor and it's so much easier on your your joints and your knees and your ankles you can actually feel a little bit of helping giving back so it's it's an interesting concept though i mean you're constantly pounding the feet and the knees but yeah and so yeah as tony if i we've been alluded to this for months like like tony said before the even the season even started man that quick turnaround time especially considering how intense that bubble play was this was inevitable and another thing that i don't think people really take into consideration is just the fact and this is a fact you can try to argue me all you want to, but it's a fact. It's just much harder to play basketball, professional basketball now than it has ever been at any point in history. And it's because of the prominence of the three-point shot. So you got these guys running 22 feet at full speed trying to chase that guy off the three-point line. That's very taxing. That That's a lot. Plus the fact that these guys are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, 
They're more athletic than they've ever been. All of that takes its toll. And then you add on the bubble ball, which was so intense. And then you add on the fact that there was just like a two-month turnaround. This was inevitable. And, you know, depending on how long Giannis is out, we're looking at a situation now where all the top guys are gone. I mean, you could make an argument that the top 15 players in the whole league are not involved in these conference finals. And, yes, it's entertaining as a basketball fan and, you know, parody and all of this and that. And it, it's been a really fun playoff. But that's an issue. And I don't, don't see it consider Chris better. Paul a top guy? At this point, I don't think he's top 15 anymore. Okay, Just well, physically, I don't think he's. Yeah, but you're like, come on. You get what I'm saying, though. Like, y'all are getting caught up in semantics. You see the oh, big no, point. I'm they're your, they're your semantics. The only big name is Chris Paul, which, but same same difference. You're not too far off from what I was going to say. So I get what you're getting at. And I agree with you. That makes it interesting that it's a bunch of B squatters, nobodies that are going to have to carry their team to a finals. And you get a new hero. You get, like, in football, you get the Hostetlers or you get all that other stuff, possibly being able to get your, uh, get your Super Bowl. So with the, the basketball championship here. So it'd be interesting though, since we're leading into that one, you have to think with the road, the way it is, isn't it Chris Paul's time? Well, here's the question We're we're going to be, you know, this is going to be up tonight. The, the game six is happening in LA. Can the Clippers hold on one more time? Do the Suns come out and, and take care of business? The pressure is on Phoenix now, right? I mean, the Clippers, They've been playing pretty free wheelie dealy since Kawhi's been out. No one's expected much of anything from them. Okay. Can Paul George continue to take this team to where they need to be? It's Paul George and Reggie Jackson show, Chris. That's that's what's going on. Can they get it done in L.A. tonight? I don't want to hear any more Paul George slander. He's earned his stripes this postseason. Like the. He's earned his stripes this postseason, and I feel as if James Harden has earned his stripes as well because that Mellon Farm was out there on one leg, and in that game seven, he was pulling out every old white guy trick Lost. at the rec center <laughs> trying to make himself a factor in that game seven. So I don't want to hear any of any of those guys slandered anymore. Um, to go back to your point, Teddy, yeah, I think that I think this goes seven. And it, it's funny going into this, man, because the Clippers have – Every series in this playoffs, they've come back from a 3-1 deficit. And then conversely, Chris Paul has somewhat of a playoff history of blowing 3-1 series True. lead. So it's kind of like the immovable force versus the the irresistible force versus the immovable object. But the bad part of that. Like the, the, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> the reprehensible object. And the, I don't even but, know. But, but shout out to Ty Luth as well. I think he's earned his stripes this postseason as well, man. He is a legitimate NBA coach. I'll give you that one because I was always suspect of him because everybody was criticizing that LeBron basically ran the team when he was the coach of the Cavs. And uh, it, I don't, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't think he was that good. And now the, everything, just like you said, this whole whole season has been coming back coming back from two down, coming 3-1, coming back 3-2, whatever it is. He just keeps getting them to come back. Now, you guys have watched more of it. I just kind of started f picking up on it because I decided to just watch it because there was something else on. And it's interesting because of everything kind of circulating around it. But the Clippers game plan, 
what the actual fuck was that? Because I mentioned it in our, our text back and forth a little bit. They have a 14-point lead, and then they play kind of hero ball with driving and actually taking purposeful steps back behind the three line just to, to chuck it. And there's some of the ugliest fucking shots. There's some of the forced shots. Like, they move the ball decently, but they weren't driving until the Suns cut it to two. And then they remember there's a lane and some paint. Then they drag it back out to ten. And then Booker hits the three before halftime to bring it down to seven, which gives Suns some momentum until Beverly fucking, like, just Street Fighter fucking Hadoukens fucking CP3 into the ground or whatever the fuck that was. And then starts fucking acting like he's flopping and calling him a bitch, basically, as he's skipping around. So, like... What is this hot and cold? Like every three, four minutes, like the Clippers go from amazing basketball where there's movement, lane creation, screen plays, pick plays, and then they'll just play fucking let's take a step back and try to hit a three because why not? Like, is is that just the way the game has turned because I haven't watched a ton of it? Or is it what the fuck is it? Is that just a Clippers thing? It's a microcosm of what the NBA has become because of the explosion of the three-point shot, right? Like somebody with a pocket protector and a pair of glasses like this walked into an NBA locker room and said, did you know that if you shoot 50% inside the three-point line, it's just as effective Wait, as... Wait, when did DPP become an NBA analyst? It's just as effective as 33.3% from the three-point line. And everybody went, oh. But you know what? The problem is the good teams can still score on the inside and still get to the inside because you know what that produces? It produces more space in taking said three-point shot, which is more points and more effective the more open you are, right? Now, there's certain players to this exception, but that's what you get with a Clippers team that's missing their best player and the offense struggles to find an identity, so they grab onto the chuck it for your life. Okay, no, the I, thing that was I, bugging me was they were up by 14, and they're just not using the 24-second clock. Like, they're shooting with 17 well, seconds. Well, you can get into a seconds. trap. And I'm sitting you, here going, no, you why can the get, fuck are you giving you the can, Suns more time? You can get to into that back. trap, too, by waiting and waiting till the end of the shot clock and never getting a good look. So they're also but starting And the to... Clippers did that five minutes later, and they looked like gods when you had fucking Morris and fucking DeMarcus Cousins and George himself taking these last second shots and they were easy fucking 10 foot jumpers and it's so like boom easy two points money and you used most of the clock like it's just it's frustrating to watch granted I don't watch as much Listen, as you guys so preacher, maybe you've, you're preacher, used to preacher I'm already in the choir sir I know no, I'm not yeah. saying you're arguing <laughs> I'm just saying from the fact that I just kind of started tipping my toe back into it just watching it and like the Suns had a better game plan because they were driving and they were making easy ahead, buckets Chris. to come back when they should have been the ones just chucking it up there trying to bite into the lead when you needed the three to fucking you know close the gap on 14 17 points but they were just taking the easy twos and i'm like that's smart basketball and i don't know what the fuck that is and then five minutes later it would flip and i'd go okay now the clippers are gods and the suns are retarded like what the what the fuck well i mean i agree with everything tony said and in this new NBA, no lead is safe. Plus, that's also a microcosm for the Clippers. And I, I said this on this show a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. If they're hitting their threes, they look like the best team in the league. If they're not, that's what you get. Like, they're very schizophrenic as a as a ball club. Plus, they're obviously, they're missing their best player. So but that's yeah, this just is, the Clippers this, is what you're saying. Yeah, this is the Clippers. 
<laughs> and this this is why they've been down 3-1 in every series thus far in these playoffs. And I think they're going to push this to a game seven tonight. Obviously, I could sound like a fucking moron by the time y'all listen to this, but... I mean, this is what they've got to be so frustrating to be a fucking Clippers fan. Then just this Jekyll and Hyde fucking bullshit of if they're on, then they look great. And if they're off, they look fucking inept. Welcome. And it's welcome, just to, like, the, welcome to the, the Rick Pitino, Kentucky basketball. Don't care, man. It's, it's, it's what Billy Crystal <laughs> fucking. Uh, <laughs> Maybe those five fans are the same five that listen to most of our shows. Don't talk shit about them too much. You never know. It's, we might be really Billy big with Crystal. Clippers fans. It's a- that Ashton one old Kutcher. white guy. And Tony, you know what I'm talking about. That old white guy that wears pajamas to all the games. Oh, but yeah. he be at all the games. Jeff got a biscuits. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Hey, before we get all, uh, uh, into the lightning round to, to, to get through three-man weave this week, Andrew, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you uh, stepping on over to the three-man weave side. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, what do we got? Thoughts and predictions on the end of these conference finals. I am going to go out on a limb and say both series will end in six. Suns win tonight. Bucks win the next two. Chris? That's just going to be really interesting if uh, the Clippers win tonight. You know, it's going to be like crossing streams on the Ghostbusters side of the game. Um, I got to go Phoenix-Milwaukee. Overall, I think that Milwaukee is a better team than Atlanta, despite their coaching deficiencies. Shout out to Nate McMillan. I think he has proven a time and time again that he belongs in that conversation. When you talk about Popovich or, or um, Carlisle or whomever you want to put in there as some of the top coaches in the league, I feel as if Nate McMillan has proven himself time and time again, everywhere he's been, that he belongs in that conversation I just don't think they have enough, especially with a hobbled Trey Young. I think that, yeah, I think we get the Bucks and the Suns in the finals. Oh, yeah, I was on Bucks and Suns, too. I think Tony and I talked about it a little bit after Potties were last week after Aesop filled in for that. I think Hawks and Bucks go to seven, and I'd, I'd really like to see the Suns just close it up today because it's, it's Paul's best chance. Like... Barkley may not have won one, but he got to one. So you, you can't really necessarily argue the fact that he never saw it, never sniffed it. Paul is always like around that top five, top ten of most people's like point guards or modern era players, whatever you want to call it. So th- he needs this in a way for legacy. So I'd like to see him win it. And maybe this is a little more wishing than logic, but I'd like to see Chris Paul get to a finals and then who wins from there depends on who stays healthy but i'd, I'd like to see it be buck sons no i i agree and this is chris paul's opportunity like he's never going to get an opportunity like this again the lane yeah. is wide open for him and this is his opportunity to get into that magic johnson isaiah thomas conversation the problem is if you watch these games he's clearly not healthy Like, all of his jump shots are short, which means he's either fatigued or that shoulder is still bothering him. Like, he's not healthy. So if they don't make it here, I'm not necessarily going to hold that against him because he's hobbled. He's on one leg or one shoulder, what might I say. But it's very similar, and you'll appreciate this analogy, and then I'll I'll throw it back to Tony here, Andrew, of Tom Brady Mm -hmm. and what he did with the Bucs. Yeah, does he have his fastball anymore? Is he the same player that he was? No. 
but just him walking in that locker room changes the entire culture of the organization. And I, I feel like Chris Paul is kind of, it, it's a similar vein that we saw with Brady that we're seeing here with Paul, but yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I like that. I agree with that, especially because the Suns were like, what, the worst team in basketball a year or two ago, whatever it was. So seeing where they but, are but, now, that's something. But, we shall see what happens with the rest of these conference finals. Chris Paul could also be suffering a few of the effects from COVID. We'll be right back with a few more non-basketball topics. You're listening to Three Man Weave on the Chairshot Radio Network, presented by thechairshot.com. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, a few lightning round topics for you, gentlemen. Francis Ngannou will not be able to defend his UFC heavyweight crown by the August deadline set for a big UFC fight. So Derek Lewis and Cyril Ghosn will step in. How disappointed are you? We, we thought we had this brand-new heavyweight champion that was going to take this, I don't know, division to some heights it hadn't been in a while Chris what do you think I know both of us were excited about Nganu and now he can't defend in time we're gonna have to have an interim title what's going on with him why can he not defend I haven't been able to track down a, a reasonable answer yeah that sounds like some fishy shit going on I don't know I'm, I'm not saying I'm just saying I am excited that Derek Lewis you know y'all know how I feel about him gets a shot at the title but yeah, that's that's disappointing. I, I we need to kind of dove into that a little bit more and see what the hell's going on there cuz I don't yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you there because I I don't really understand why he's not doing it. I know that, you know, there's been uh little stories coming out about agents getting heated at Dana White and all this other stuff. So, could be a contractual thing, could be maybe it's a COVID thing and they just don't want to talk about it, which could be why the agents kind of taken up for him never really know but you you were singing Derek lewis's praises after his first fight when it was uh what the fuck was that like his balls are sweaty or some shit like that right isn't is that who we're talking about yeah so yeah. He's, he's a character man like he's a good dude i i hope he wins it because there'd be money in nganu and lewis for like a unification because lewis could probably take that division higher than nganu only because you need a character and Nganu's, Nganu's a beast, don't get me fucking wrong. But Chuck Liddell wasn't popular just because he could swing his hands really hard. Like, he was a character, he was a goofball, he was in movies and commercials, and Tito Ortiz, same thing. Like, he had his I Killed Kenny fucking shirts when he beat the shit out of Ken Shamrock, what, two out of three times or whatever that was, like, a decade plus ago. So, like, you need characters. You don't just need people that look like Street Fighter characters. You need people with personality. And Derek Lewis will go farther than than Nganu in, in my book. So, I, if you kind of read in between the lines, it sounded like Nganu and, and Jones was something that was trying to be made, couldn't happen, and he didn't necessarily want to fight Lewis or in that period of time. And Nganu feels like he's getting done a little bit dirty by Dana White. At the same time, I don't. I, I think this is a result of John Jones. If you want, let's get wrestling on it, right? If Jones won't agree to something, but Dana still needs a big fight, why? I mean, Cyril Gaon is on the up and up. This dude is like 
starts his UFC career 6-0, and I think, at heavyweight. I don't know if anybody else is maybe only the second or third person to do that. Why not have interim Cyril Gan fight against Nganu? That's bigger than Cyril Gan just kind of being this unknown French contender that's been on a hot streak. Well, that that's my thing, man, because I felt as if USC was setting up for a big event because they had the three African champions. I thought they were setting up for a big-time event in Africa, and you can have all three of those brothers defend their titles in Africa. This is why none of this makes sense. I get where you're coming from with the John Jones thing. They can't come to terms with money, and, I mean, shout-out to John Jones, man. If he's still got some cocaine money, hold out because you're the draw in this particular point in time. So, yeah, uh-huh. if you the, got it, hold the, out. But, yeah, I the thought John they were trying to set something with that. So it's just... Say that again? The John DeLorean side of the game? Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, this is why this is kind of perplexing to me because, yeah, I don't – I don't. yeah, I, I just don't get it. I, I really don't. Andrew, you brought up some interesting news as we move away from the UFC of one legendary former heavyweight taking on one former WWF heavyweight champion. Yeah, so Fedor is, I don't even know if he was ever officially retired, but Jake Hager is going to get his his, uh, Bellator match against Fedor. And this is a, what, 44-year-old Fedor now? And he's, I think he's 44, 44, at least. He's at least 44, I'm not a thousand percent sure. But I think he's lost, what, three of his last four matches? So is, is this more just Fedor taking the... The easy money because he doesn't see Hager as a threat? Or is this Hager getting the layup because Fedor is a name from the past and Fedor is not the threat anymore? I, I mean, there was a time where I apologize, Teddy, but there was a time where you make an argument that Fedor was the best in the world, pound for oh, pound. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. It's about He's a decade ago, past but his yeah. Prime. But I mean, this is honestly, this is what Bellator does. They play off of names from the past to try to pop a rating. They did this with Ken Shamrock and Kimbo Slice. They're doing it here with Fedor. Um, they did it with, uh, what was it, Kimbo and Dada 2000 or whatever the fuck his name was. But the- Quentin Jackson was in there at some point. I think Leo yeah, Machida had did a you say match. Dada 2000? Whatever the fuck, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but nostalgia is big right now, and it has been proven with Tyson and Roy Jones. It was mm-hmm. proven with uh, fucking uh, God damn it! I I just had it on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember what it was. Oh oh, uh, Del Rio or El Patron versus Tito Ortiz. There's a market out here for this, and yeah. So you're gonna bring in some wrestling fans. You're gonna bring in some. MMA fans, and you're going to do a decent buy rating, or at least Bellator thinks you will. Ultimately, yeah, Hager doesn't stand a chance against Fedor. But it's going to get you some eyeballs. Tony, you in that same boat? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's there for. I think that's the bottom line. Um, last thought? Custom Cold said so? Yeah, Custom Cold said so. Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a thing, because I think Hager is still technically undefeated in MMA, right? He's like 3-0-1 or some shit, because he had like a no decision at some point. So, if he if he gets his ass handed to him by Fedor, is he done? I No, man. No. Like, if it's embarrassing, like if he just gets dropped in the first round and look like a punk, 
Well, you'd figure he'd be trying to play towards his wrestling strengths. I mean, I would imagine they'd be maybe on the same level wrestling-wise, but that's better than, you know, overall MMA skill-wise. Plus, keep in mind, Shandolph, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Shamrock and Kimbo, RIP, that was clearly a work. So who's to say they didn't throw enough zeros in front of Fedor? Definitely. Maybe he does take a dive. All right, well. You don't know. Speaking mm. of speaking of it's illegal to hit someone or hit the balls, let's go to something that's legal <laughs> to totally strike the ball, and that is July 6th, the match, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady taking on Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. Gentlemen, did you see Rocket Mortgage practice rounds today phil mickelson and DeShambo, same practice round as DeShambo goes up to the tee to take a you know take a swing of the driver on whatever practice hole they're on mickelson reaches into his bag grabs iron, snaps it over his leg and puts it back in his bag the trash talking the gamesmanship has begun why are they doing this on a tuesday that's a great question i have no fucking idea probably because I, I, they want yeah, a day they, they're playing this weekend they get a day to travel. I don't know. Would have made more sense to do it on the Monday because that's the holiday observed day, but it's on a Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously a little interested just because the last one they did with Peyton and Brady, if I remember correctly, was fun. So Brady's proven himself since leaving the confines of Bill Belichick in New England that he's got a personality. He seems to enjoy taking shots at himself or just being an asshole. And I mean, I know I watched it. I'm assuming one of you guys watched the, uh, the shop when it was, uh, what Draymond Green, Tom Brady and a couple others. And Brady, Brady likes to talk shit. And it's, it's just interesting to see this side of him this last year or two since he's been unshackled, so to speak. And, it's fun. I wouldn't even be surprised if Brady kind of told Mickelson to fuck with him because DeChambeau's also got that weird rivalry with the uh, with Brooks, the other Brooks younger Kepka. guy, right? Thank you. Yeah, I don't Kepka. watch golf close enough to really know names, Platt's but I know DeChambeau's at least has has his uh, has a rivalry where they talk shit and piss each other off during interviews and stuff like that. So it could be fun and. I'm I'm gonna really be interested to see what Rogers says or does, especially because people still don't know what the fuck he's doing for football. So that could be a fun situation. I can tell you what he's doing. Is he sitting out this year? No, he'll be under center week one for the Green Bay Packers. Chris, what do you think about this golf matchup? I I honestly agree with everything Andrew said. It's funny because I still think that Brady's a little corny. But since he's left the confines of uh, Belichick, he has let his personality come out a little bit. And he is a bit of an asshole. And I kind of dig it because he's earned mm-hmm. the right to be an asshole. He should be an arrogant prick. He's Tom fucking Brady. Of course he should. But I, I dig it, man. And he is kind of self-deprecating in his humor and stuff like that. So this could be interesting. I've always loved Aaron Rodgers because I always thought Aaron Rodgers was an arrogant asshole as well. And I like that about them. I like that about him. And I like that in my quarterback. My quarterback shouldn't walk in the room thinking he's got the biggest dick of the 52-man roster. Like, I think that's a good thing for that particular position. So, yeah, this might be cool. And, you know, we we all love uh, uh, Rochambeau. Like, he's, yeah. I know I fucked up his name, but he's good he's for golf. He's better that way. He's, it's fine. I like that one. 
He's a <laughs> shit talker too, though. He's good for good for the game. And Phil can get out there and talk a little white man shit. So yeah, this is this is gonna be fun. I just wish it wasn't on a Tuesday because I don't know how much of it I'm gonna be able to see. You know, I ain't gonna see shit because I have to actually go in the office on Tuesday. So, in a world called professional golf that lost its Michael Jordan rather abruptly as well, then and who's to say the NBA didn't actually lose its Michael Jordan abruptly as well? In addition, I think this mini rivalry between Kepka and DeChambeau is great. Obviously, Phil Mickelson winning at the age of 50 like had us all rooting. And, 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 you know, enthralled that Sunday afternoon. But these matches like this that involve other sports to make golf seem cooler, like, that's what golf needs, right? This needs to happen three or four yeah. times a year. You know, it, you need to in, bring in, you know, basketball, Steph Curry, right? You know, uh, retired players. Tony Romo is a guy who qualified for the no. tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. We you know, totally need to see Barkley and Jordan pair up with two golf guys. Well, I don't think you really want to. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't think you really would want to watch Charles Barkley play golf for 18 holes. Trust me. But you got guys that he's come in here that can actually. Funny. Well, you could put him on commentary. That's fine. And he's been on there for social okay, media, sure. making bets with the guys like, hey, if you can get it on the green here, I'll donate 50 grand to this charity. And that kind of stuff is great. But for the game of golf, it really helps it uh, fan-wise and, and globally and get into other genres of people that could care less about golf. But you see something amazing happen on a Sunday or you get a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or a Steph Curry out there with these guys and you see how really good they are and how much fun they can have. I think that's the point, though, Tony, because I, I love golf, man, because – once you play golf, you really get a appreciation and appreciation for what these melon farmers can do. Because as a kid, I thought the shit was boring, too. But then when I actually got out there and started to play and saw how hard the game was, you appreciate watching the professionals do what they do. But I think that's by design, Tony, because golf is so buttoned up and elitist by nature. I don't necessarily think that they want everybody, even though financially and for the growth of the game, it would be good. I don't necessarily think that's what they want. I think they want to keep their little all-boys club to themselves, and that's just what it is. I really feel that way. No, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think there's been a lot of things set up to try and teach more youth about golf and spread the game and make it more accessible, right? Make it easier to play and things of that nature. It's another sport, though, like hockey that costs money to play, right? You look at, like... You yeah. look at football and you look at basketball and, and even baseball to a certain extent, right? Like, you don't have to go pay to do it. You just basically have to have a ball. And for baseball, you have to have a ball and a bat, right? So it's hockey. You got to have the gear. You got to have a pond. You got to have all that. Golf, you got to have the clubs. You got to have a place to go. You got to pay to go play, things of that nature. So it's it's just very interesting that way. But hopefully, you know, we can continue to spread all these different games and things of that nature. So... Uh, I got one last topic for you guys, if you don't mind. Uh, we can maybe we can we can kick it. Just whoa, 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 before you do that, man. So we're not going to talk about uh, Poirier versus McGregor this weekend. It's next weekend. Okay, cool. So we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial. 
This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. gentlemen scotty pippen is back in the news once again first for his comments about how kevin durant is no lebron james and that lebron james would have utilized his team better to win the series against the milwaukee bucks kevin durant fired back about scotty not wanting to go into one of the playoff games for the michael jordan list bulls because phil jackson drew up a play for tony kukoc and he got in his feelings and then Scotty Pippen came out and said basically that he feels Phil Jackson is a racist. Gentlemen, where to begin? Go uh, fire away, whoever's ready. I mean, do you really think Scotty Pippen's wrong? Like, what white guy that's over the age of 50 isn't racist to a degree? So, like, I mean,. Phil seems kind of cool and he's Zed and all that other stuff. So maybe he's not outright with it. But the interesting thing about that article or interview where uh, he said the racist thing is he kind of glossed over it and inferred it. And then he kind of focused it more on the Steve Kerr game winning shot being drawn up by Michael for optics because he knew what it would look like if Jordan dished it to the the white guy who could shoot threes and he hit the game winner. So it w- it's funny just the fact that Pippen came out with his book recently and talked shit about how he didn't like how he was portrayed in the last dance. He talked shit about KD. He talks a little bit of shit about Phil Jackson and Jordan right now. I think it's just all a publicity train for his book because Pippen's not stupid and Pippen's also been on enough shows. He and- kind of is, though. I mean, it's one of those, I think it's that, that weird calculated stupidity because he's done stuff with Rodman. He's done stuff with Jordan recently. So I feel like he's trying to just make enough waves so people look into it and assume or infer what he's not saying. Like they try to read between the lines because it's not like he came out and said, Phil Jackson's a like card-carrying member of the KKK. He was just like, well, what do you think? So... It's, he leaves enough on the bone where you can't really throw him under the bus for saying something dumb. He's just inferring it. You you hit the nail on the head, and I don't even know if you realize you did it. He's got a book out. I know. I do, meant that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I think that Phil Jackson is racist? Probably not, but... It, you know, is it outside the realm of possibility that a 70-year-old affluent white man is racist? No. I mean, it's America. You know what I mean? It is what it is. I agree, yes. Yeah. But, and, and I also feel why he felt a certain way when Coach came in and they drew up the play for Coach and why he wanted to sit up because, you know, that whole year, Phil was 
putting a battery in his back. Like, fuck Jordan, you're the MVP. You're the best player of the league. You're this, you're that. And now when it's nut cutting time, you drop the play for somebody else. So I could feel why Pippen felt a certain way about that, even though he looked dumb as fuck because Kukoc actually hit the shot and they won the game. He's the Croatian Jordan. Come on. You didn't think he was well, going to make that let's, shot? Uh, let's, let's, let's relax on that. There's been better <laughs> Croatians. There's been better Croatians in the league than Kukoc. R.I.P. Drazen Petrovic. But, uh, yeah, this is just, he's just doing what he got to do to try to sell some books, man. Pippen is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. No disrespect to him. It just is what it is. He's trying to sell some books. Clearly, him and Phil don't have a relationship at this particular point in time. I, I'm not even saying he's wrong. I'm saying he's trying to sell some books because he got that gold-digging hussy that he's got to keep happy. Well, we're not going to go there. Yeah. I feel, sure I feel bad. I feel bad for Scotty. I feel bad because the gold digger. Yeah, like like number one, he did come off bad in in the last dance, but that's kind of on him. But yeah, like your your woman out here getting slutted out and dug out by future's ass, and then she comes home and you just accept her with open arms. Like I, I get it, you yeah, fifty, that, but that's some yeah, bitch yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I do think though that the Jordan the Jordan comment was calculated because everybody knew Jordan had to know where cameras were, like that. That was a comment that was more logical. Like you didn't think he knew where the cameras were. You didn't think he knew what he was doing. Like, come on, like that. That's kind of just telling the interviewer that he's retarded. Like that. That's why Jordan is considered the goat because nobody played the game as well as him. And I'm not talking about both games. No, no, I know what you meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I I agree. Like, I just, I find it funny that Pippen, like, you know, we pointed out, has the book, and now suddenly he wants to chirp about everybody. So it's all calculated to a degree. Like, how well it works for him, who knows, but it keeps his name on people's tongues. It keeps him relevant. And... As far as I know, it's not like he lost his, you know, spots on any of the the NBA talk shows or anything like that that bring him on once in a while, or like the ESPN stuff. So, well, he, he didn't probably he probably won't be on the jump. Probably won't be on the jump for a while. I mean, the Nets are out. He might be. <laughs> I mean, if his mush mouth nature hasn't cost him any analyst jobs, I'm sure this isn't going to hurt at all. But sell your books, Scott. Sell your books, man. We see what you're working with. You got, you basically got a goddamn Kardashian. That bra turned herself into a Kardashian over the last couple of years. Yeah. I feel and, a little bad for Scotty because Scotty could have been something fucking big, too. And then it just seems like he was kind of his own worst enemy when it came to that kind of stuff. Eh. I'm eh. just saying. I, I grew up a Bulls fan, so maybe it's just the, the soft spot, the homerness for me right there. But Pip and I always thought could have carried a team and could have been a little bigger after Jordan retired the second time. And he could have. He, he could have. Got there. He could have. He could have. If he would have been uh-huh. a little bigger as a man, you can't take yourself out of the game because the shot doesn't get drawn up for you. That's just not what someone who's supposed to be bigger does. I don't care what the situation is. Point blank, period. If I have one person to take a shot to win a game between Tony Kukoc and Scottie Pippen in that stage of their career, I'm picking Tony Kukoc. The guy was a fucking great shooter. Scottie Pippen, 
was a decent shooter. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Well said, Tony. Chris doesn't like it. I can see it in his face. No, I already said, man, I understood where Pip was coming from, but at the same point in time, it worked. So, you, you know what I mean? What, what else can you say? Like, it, the shit worked, and you look like a J-Brone. True. If it didn't work, he would have looked like a genius. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Andrew, I want to thank you once again for coming on Three Three Man Weave. Excellent, excellent job today. You can find me at PC Tunny. Continue to listen to Chair Shot Radio Network. Christopher? You all can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt, but more importantly, support your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis. Not only do we have great articles day in and day out, we have great podcasts day in and day out. There's so much going on at thechairshot.com, and we're just getting started. We're not cooking with electric, ladies and gentlemen. No, actually, we are cooking with electric as opposed to gas because we're just getting heated. So make sure y'all support your favorite website with news, reviews, opinion, and analysis by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and picking up an official Chair Shot t-shirt. Support the movement, TheChairShot.com. We're not just a website, we're a movement. Mr. Belaz, I second everything our commissioner said. Thanks for coming on, chopping it up with us, and your basketball takes weren't that horrible. But let everybody know oh, where they can find you and what you got going on. This was fun. I will just say, like, it's kind of nice to watch Tony chirp back a little more since he's too busy playing moderator at Bada's War. So now I understand why sometimes you two get him your feelings during the pre pregame shows before <laughs> Bada's War. So uh, it makes a little more sense now. But yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at IWC Warchief and on thechairshot.com covering mostly Japanese stuff, top five matches of the week, you know interesting stuff like that that's not in the uh, cable box so to speak and uh yeah that's about it for me right now Tony and i literally fight like brothers to the point where we just roll our eyes when one of us pisses the other off because we know uh they'll be all right like, that's, <laughs> that's just what it is amen amen still amusing to see it from this side for a change you know Fair enough. And it was good to be back, man. I was back home this past week and didn't get to record any cheer shot stuff. So it's great to be back home, man, and be chopping up with you guys, man. Y'all are my brothers. I love y'all. And this was great. Hey, y'all. We didn't talk a lot of hockey. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. Enjoy UFC coming up in the next couple of weeks. The NBA playoffs have been hot as fish grease. Baseball has actually been very entertaining, believe it or not. Like, if yeah, I, this pandemic has re ignited my love for baseball we got the olympics coming up i'm sure we're gonna get into that here momentarily but yo it's a great time to be a sports fan shit is starting to open up you might be able to mess around and go to a game or two here or there be safe but whatever man we're starting to get back to normal and that's a good thing and speaking of normal nobody on this call is normal but we do appreciate you all listening to the latest edition of three man weave for the Commissioner PC Tunney, for Andrew Belaz, I am Mr. Velvet Pies, Christopher Platt. Thank you all for tuning in to the latest edition of Three Man Weave. We'll see you back here next week, same Platt time, same Platt channel. Until then, shalom. And happy 4th of July. The champ is here! I this is my shit right here. The champ is here! This shit is crazy, crazy. The evil genius. The champ is here!
fucking with the champion. You already know K-A-D is the game goodbye. You ain't fucking with the champion. You already know. The champ is here! TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.